Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, there's some big casting news out of Young and the Restless. Trisha Cast, who began playing Nina back in 1986, is coming back to the show, and Tyler Johnson, who plays Theo, is out. So let's start with Trisha. You know, when I first started watching YNR, uh, my favorite character was Cricket, who is now known as Christine. So I loved anyone in her stories, and certainly Nina was a part of her inner circle. What I love, though, is that she and Laura Lee Bell, Christine's portrayer, have remained close friends, and Laura Lee was the first person Trisha called when she was approached about coming back, and they posted like a super cute photo on Instagram. And I was all having the 80s feels. Um, <laughs> as for Tyler, you know, I think this is a case where there just didn't seem to be a good grasp on the character from the get-go. Like, I don't know if he was an influencer or had who had online savvy. He had an axe to grind against Kyle. And then he wound up being a long-lost Abbott. You know, it was a lot to pack in. And Tyler certainly did his best. But I feel it's often hard to come back from that kind of first impression. I agree with that. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of times when it feels like a show is bending over backwards to tie a newbie into a core family. And I would argue that, you know, creating a heretofore unknown son for Dina so that she, that son could have a son who turned out to be Theo, like falls into that category. Um, it tends to backfire. You know, it certainly it has been done successfully, but the surprise relative trope doesn't always work. I feel bad for viewers who have gotten into the Lola Theo pairing and we're hoping to see more of them. And I do definitely wonder uh, where this is going to leave Lola romantically, as I know that is a very important question to her devoted YNR fans, but hopefully they have a good next arc in mind for her. Um, as for Trisha Cast. OMG, I am so excited that she is coming back. I started watching YNR just a bit after you did, and she was such a like powerhouse uh, young leading lady in that era. So, so talented, and uh, it's just going to be a real nostalgic treat to have her visit. Uh, and there are also rumors of some big casting changes in store for GH. The possibility that William DeVry, Julianne, and M. Rylan, Lulu, both of whom joined the show in 2013, are on their way out. So uh, the show is staying mum on the matter at the moment, and I think it's fair to say that both of the actors have been a little coy on social media uh, about what's going on, but certainly neither of them issued denials. Uh, and I do think we'll be getting clarification on their status in the near future. But, I, I, you know, if M is leaving, I think the timing is really tough because... We finally have Dominic Sampronia back on the canvas as Dante, and obviously if Lulu isn't around, the chances of him reconciling with her would seem slim. 
Yes, which will certainly be disappointing to the Lante fans, and we know there are many. Um, mm-hmm. But on a happier note, uh, Soap Opera Digest is celebrating its 45th anniversary this month. So our first issue came out in November 1975 and was a Love of Life cover that featured none other than John Aniston, who now plays Daisy's Victor. Um, so you and I had a few brainstorming sessions trying to figure out how to commemorate it in our new issue. And ultimately, like big news, we met up at the office and saw each other for the first time in person since March. Uh, you know, we pulled old issues and actor interviews and general research material. And, you know, it's so crazy to look back on all the issues we've been here for. I mean, I remember when I started in September 1990, I was only hoping that I would be invited to the 15th anniversary party, which I was. You know, the first office we were in had every cover on the wall in the conference room. So I can say that after having lunch in there like every day for years, I have like the bulk of them committed to memory and actually where they were on the wall as well. I was actually interning at Soap Opera Weekly, our defunct sister magazine, the summer before my senior year of college, the first time I came to the Digest office, which was to pull photos for a project I was working on. Um, And as someone who had been reading the magazine for many years prior to that, like just to be standing in the photo room surrounded by all of the daytime history contained in those walls and those filing cabinets was pretty exciting. And uh, if memory serves, I I think I sneaked over to the H section and pulled out the folder containing all the pictures in the magazine's collection of my, you know, favorite soap star from childhood, Anne H. Uh, Just some light browsing. Uh, But when I graduated from college, I moved to New York without a job with my heart set on getting one at Digest. And I like temped in various and sundry offices until the first job opening at Digest came up and I applied for it and got it. And my first day was, I, I believe, uh, two days after my 22nd birthday. And now I'm 43. Okay, so it is, it's just been such a huge part of my life. And I could never have imagined that first day in the photo room, how many hundreds of hours of my life I would end up spending with those photos. <laughs> uh, I kind of can't even believe that it's been five years since our big blowout 40th anniversary party, which was held in LA and star-studded, to say the least. Uh, but it was so much fun, you know, sitting with these old issues when we were putting the anniversary section together I mean, I chose to take certain issues home because they, you know, a classic super couple was on the cover. And then I would start reading the nitty gritty of the issue. And it was like, wow, you know, this issue is historic because it's when we reported that Guiding Light had hired Kim Zimmer to play Reva or, wow, this General Hospital synopsis is, you know, historic because Jason was born. Right. there was one issue where John McCook, who was uh, then Lance on YNR and is now Eric on B&B, was spotted with a new woman named Lorette. <laughs> well, John and Lorette have now been married for 40 years. Uh, it's just really fun and, and kind of amazing to think about all of the history that have passed through the, the pages of this magazine, both in terms of the storylines and all the actors, and just really as a, a chronicle of the genre as a whole. Absolutely. And really, like so much has changed in just the time that you and I have been here. You know, we used to have the Soap Opera Digest Awards and the huge night before parties. And in our roundup section, we asked the stars to share their favorite Digest memory. And like that ranked right up there uh, for several of them. And I kid you not when I tell you that the flower budget alone for one of those like later year parties 
was like a mind-blowing amount in today's budget world. Um, you know, the Dive to Stewards, one of the first big projects I got to work on, the editor-in-chief who hired me was Meredith Berlin, and then Lynn Leahy, who really set me on my path, took over, and they had both served as executive producers of the show, so as their assistant, I got to work on it. And I mean, I know I'm not the only one who misses those Digest Awards. And you know, there were just so many incredible memories that I have tied into this job. And I'm so happy and proud to be here to mark the 45th anniversary of Soap Opera Digest. And I know you are too. Absolutely. Now our guest today is someone who I've actually known for 20 years. Um, it is Nadia Bjorlin, who made her day's debut as Chloe in 1999. And I have such a vivid memory of the first time I interviewed her. And she was, you know, like a young teenager just getting her start. Now she's a wife and a mom and is headed back to Salem. So let's check in with her and see how life is going for Nadia in 2020. Hi, Nadia. Hello, hello there. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. You know, all things considered in this, this crazy world right now, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, well, speaking of that, <laughs> you've really put up some stellar tweets. Um, from COVID. <laughs> Have I? Yeah. <laughs> You've really shared your experience. We got a good perspective of what you've been going through. Uh, yes, the trials and tribulations of um, the motherhood of toddlers. Is that what you're talking about, or yeah. or, or my ra or my rage tweeting about other things? No, no, you're talking. You're very funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're so happy you could join us today because we have been wanting you on the podcast for a while. Oh, well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So we are going to go back to the beginning, Nadia. You were born in Newport, Rhode Island, because your father was working there. And you came yes. earlier than expected, but you spent yeah. all your years in Sweden, where he was from. So tell us yes, about your childhood. I, I, I always say that I was accidentally born there, but it was a, it was a good accident because it gave me dual citizenship. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a, a Swedish and an American passport, and so I never had to worry about the whole green card thing or the visa thing. So it worked out very well for me. But uh, yeah, my, my dad was conducting uh, the summer of 1980. <gasps> I just revealed my age. My God, I turned, I turned 40 this year. I'm having an early midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so weird because it's like 40. My God. 40 used to sound so old, and now I'm like, I don't feel like 40. What does that mean? Anyway, like 40. I, oh, it's, oh, thank you. Yeah, I still feel like, yeah, it's very strange. Um, though I digress. So, yes, my father was working there conducting during the summer, and um, I happened to be born like six weeks early. And so then my parents, my family had to stay in the house that they were renting in Newport till, you know, I was a little bit bigger, maybe like two months old, and then they went back to Sweden. So yes, so Swedish is my first language. And um, we travel, we, we moved around a lot and traveled a lot. Like actually my family li moved here um, for, I don't know, maybe it was a year and a half. I mean, it's all a blur when I was like three. Then we moved back to Sweden again and then moved to Palm Beach, Florida when I was seven years old. Um, yeah, lived there until I was... 16 that I moved to New York City um, to fulfill my dreams of um, really uh, working on Broadway mm -hmm. and also Moonlight as an opera singer. And um, then by fate, I, I didn't get exactly that, but I, I got a soap opera <laughs> where, where, where I got to sing opera. So yeah, it was, it was kismet. 
So tell us what childhood in Sweden was like in, I guess, uh, I guess we've dated it back to the 80s, huh? The early 80s. I mean, it was, I mean, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I remember apparently I was obsessed with the Muppets when I was a child. I loved the Muppet show. And if I missed the first 10 seconds of it, I would be in an absolute hysterical fit and I couldn't be um, consoled. So um, that was my favorite show on TV. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it was, it was a beautiful place to grow up. And it's certainly a very different climate, obviously. Uh, then Florida, where we moved to. I remember uh, back in those days, you still had Pan Am. I remember we flew Pan Am from Stockholm, Sweden, to Florida. Um, and getting off the airplane, um, and you would get off, like, it was on the tarmac, though. There weren't, it was, like, right onto, like, where you felt the air. I remember the air just blowing in my face and it was like, oh, felt like I was in a blow dryer. I never felt anything that hot before in my entire life. And it was just so crazy, but it was so, you know, it, in that sense, it was magical and so cool. Like us as kids hadn't, had never experienced that kind of climate. Now your dad was both a composer and conductor um, oh, and you are obviously musical. So tell oh, us what the yes. music played in your life growing up. I grew up with so much music in in our household it was a constant thing um, because my father was always writing music and playing music and he'd have musicians over at the house practicing and uh, and singing and playing instruments and I, I think it was just so ingratiated in us from early on and probably in our blood like you know my mom has stories of where she's like oh that your favorite way of sleeping would be like in a um, like a car seat under the piano and my dad's foot would be like tapping the car seat while he was playing, uh, like sort of rocking it back and forth and I'd just be sleeping under there. So I guess sort of by osmosis, it became uh, a love and, you know, half my family are now professional musicians. So I guess the apple didn't fall very far. Yeah. So it always just felt very natural. The music thing first um, and my uh, brothers that are closest in age and I um, started taking piano lessons and uh, then we sort of picked our own instruments we wanted to play and um, and then it really wasn't um, till I was in the first grade that or maybe it was even the second grade I can't remember but I remember I had a chorus teacher uh, I, I was pretty shy actually still at this point um, um, and I had a course teacher who gave me a song and said, do you think you could take this home and have your dad teach this to you to sing? And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really know why she was singling me out. And I actually couldn't really speak very good English at that point. Good English. Is that even good English? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I still, I still, I still can't speak good English. No. Um, yeah, no, because I didn't learn to speak English till I moved to this country and started school. Um, and, and she'd given me the song and I was sort of like, sh like shy about it. And I went home and just kind of quietly asked my dad, I said, my teacher gave this to me and wanted me to learn this. And the song was the best things in life are free. Mm -hmm. um, and he, I, I guess my mom later said, was like, he was really excited that you'd asked him to do that. And I remember sitting next to him on the piano bench and he started just plunking out the notes and I started singing. Um, 
And my mom said that she heard me like in the house of my dad study and had no idea that that was me. Cause she was like, who is that little voice? Cause I'd never, I was shy and I'd never really, I didn't sing. And years later, I, I still had that teacher at school and she was like, yeah, I could totally, I heard you singing in chorus and it was something special and you didn't even know it. Um, so I wanted you to, you know, sort of, take this on and realize it. And that's kind of really where my love of singing started. I, I realized that I loved it and it, I mean, frankly, it came very naturally to me. Um, and then, you know, started just being more interested in it in school and, and, and sort of do, getting more solos and doing more solos. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I, I love this. Um, and I remember uh, singing in a recital, I think it was the second grade, uh, and I sang, sang Edelweiss, and one of the kids in the, in the class asked if I was lip syncing, because <laughs> of singing into a microphone. I mean, it was very cute, but like years later, I was like, yeah, I remember that kid that asked if I was lip syncing into the microphone. I was like, no, that, no, that was me. Millie Vanilli of the second grade. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I even had to ask what lip syncing was at that point. Like, like what awesome. does that mean? Like, no, no, that was me singing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of where it started. And it, that's where, um, you know, sort of being the, the music geek um, for me and my brother started and us then starting to feel like, oh, you know, you know, just trying to, feel, or I already felt different. It was like, I had to learn how to speak English in the first grade. Um, so that was daunting enough in itself. Um, so you already kind of feel like an outsider and now you're interested in something that other kids are not interested in at all. And like, I'm, I'm singing Frank Sinatra and they're, I mean, I still loved Madonna and Michael Jackson, but you know, that's what they're listening to. Debbie Gibson, not like, not like Schubert and the sound of, sound of music. Uh, yeah. So that was, you know, that's how the music thing started. So you said that you, by the time you, your family did uh, go to New York city, that you had aspirations of doing Broadway. So had you kind of gotten interested in acting at that point in lockstep? Uh, yes, but more in uh, more in like the musical theater aspect. It sort of was always rooted in music more um, because it was also my comfort zone. It was like, oh, I'm I, I I know how to do this. I'm comfortable doing this. I'm good at this. So it was like you know a lot of singing, and then it was musical theater, and then going to like band camp and like arts camps and doing musical theater and doing operettas and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, there was obviously um, an acting component to it, but not sort of like straight acting, um, full-on acting. Um, I'm trying to remember when I really first – well, but I did sort of dabble in it a bit. Um, like I did some like little commercial things like when I was like nine – whatnot. I remember doing like, I don't know, I did a commercial for like Sears. I remember one was Sears. One was for like, what was those like cheesy puffs, the little cheese balls, <laughs> like the cheese balls. I remember going to Nickelodeon in Orlando and like auditioning for some pilots. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I was so green at that point too, that I didn't, you know, I d didn't really know how to do it. I wasn't really like one of those like stage kids. 
Um, and I didn't have, and I mean, my mom is clueless about that stuff too. New York is such magic that you just kind of like, you know, there's so many opportunities. And I remember moving there and like, I got a modeling agent and I was like, Oh, I'm not like really a model, but okay, cool. If I can get an agent, like great, you know? Um, and then at my modeling agency in New York, I remember standing there waiting uh, in the hallway and some like guy runs up to me from like another door in a hallway and he's like, Hey, do you act? And I was like, yeah, sure. He was like, come here. I have this breakdown and this looks just like you. And it was a breakdown for all my children. Oh. And which ended up being my first screen test. Wow. I, yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I'd never, and I'd never really auditioned. I hadn't auditioned for anything big, like nothing major. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go do this. And, and, um, uh, the audition was to be in a love triangle with Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos. So it was like, yeah. And I was 17 years old and like the character needed to be older at that point, but I was just kind of like pretending, you know, it's like, all right, maybe if I dress, you know, a little like sexier, they'll think I'm older. Um, but I ended up getting a screen test out of that. Um, and being like absolutely, you know, terrified, not knowing really what, I, I mean, I started like faking it till I made it like in a sense, uh, it was me and, and it was like either eight or nine other women. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And, um, it was this like seduction scene where you're supposed to seduce, uh, Mark's character and like sort of, uh, and I, 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 I can see the blocking in my mind. It was something like you sort of push him down to sit on the desk and you're supposed to like, and in the screen test, you were supposed to give him a, a kiss, which I don't they do that anymore. I think that's the only screen test I've ever been a part of where you kiss someone. And I had like barely kissed anybody in my real life at that point. And I just remembered like heart palpitations and was like, oh my God, oh my God. Okay. Okay. Oh my God. And then actually when I actually did the screen test and I was like, I like, sh like shoved him onto the desk and I like grabbed him by a head and like, and I kissed him and um, I shoved my tongue in his mouth. And I remember that I did, well, I didn't know that you like, you're not supposed to do that. Like that's not good actor etiquette, but I was clueless. And afterwards, Mark was like, he was laughing, but he was so nice. Like he's the nicest guy. Um, he's like, Oh, that was um, interesting, you know? And it, and it was, it wasn't until like much later on. I mean, probably meaning like probably two years later, I was like, oh my God, that's what he meant by that. You were not supposed to do this. <laughs> holy, holy crap. But I will say from that, I got another screen test <laughs> at, at all my children with Kelly Riffa herself. So that was pretty cool. Um, but then they ended up not, um, that character never made it onto the show. So um, you know, it was a good early lesson, an early uh, lesson in like expectations and like disappointment as an actor being like, oh, well, you know, it was like pretty great that I got screen tests right out the gate. Doesn't mean you're going to get it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or doesn't mean that you're right for the role. So, you know, it actually was kind of a uh, fabulous lesson looking back like, okay, you know, you're not, you're, you know, people are not always going to say yes to you. Um, they're going to say a whole lot of no. Um, yeah. And that's kind of like, then when my love of it started, I was like, this is amazing. Like, you know, I feel such a fire in my belly from doing this. This is so fun. 
Um, and then went to, you know, audition for some, like a couple other things that like I didn't get, <laughs> like, I don't know, law and order or something. Um, and then I got another screen test for As the World Turns. So, and the funny thing about all these soap screen tests is I never grew up watching any soap operas because I didn't really grow up, well, you know, half my life at that point in the U.S., um, so I wasn't really familiar with them. And, you know, soaps are such a familial thing. Like, you, you know, usually you'll be a family member who watches it and that's kind of how you get hooked. And I didn't have that. Um, so I remember having to just kind of try to turn on the TV and be like, what is this like? And like, who are these people? And it was probably better. Like ignorance was bliss because I probably would have been way more nervous, but because it was sort of like, uh, you know, it was make-believe at that point. Like these weren't like big TV stars or anything that I knew that it would have probably been a whole lot more intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the As the World Turns one, didn't get that either. And I was like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Bitter and cynical at 18 at this point. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to quit the business. I'm like, I'm like, I don't think, <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, clearly I'm not cut out for this soap opera thing because nobody seems to like me. <laughs> I'm going to go and focus on something else or, you know, maybe still my dreams of Broadway. Um, and then shortly thereafter came the screen test for Days of Our Lives, where I was also weirdly sitting in my agent's office um, at this point. And another agent I had not met was like, kind of like peeked her head in. She's like, hey, aren't you like the teenage opera singer? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yes. I sing. And they're like, there's a show that shoots in California. And they need a teenage opera singer. Can you? Can we put you on tape? You know, because back then you had to like you couldn't do it on an iPhone. It was a real camera, and you had to go somewhere and do it, or <laughs> go to your a- agent's office to do it. And it's like, oh, okay. You have to sing an aria and do this scene. Um, and like two days before I went, or yeah, it was like it, this was like Friday, and they're like, oh, can you come on Monday to do it at the office? And I was like, okay. Well, that weekend. Um, I was boiling water to make tea like on a Saturday night and my tea kettle in my dinky little apartment in New York, the handle on it broke when I went to lift it up and the boiling water spilt all down the front of my body. And I ended up with, uh, with second degree, close to third degree burns that like melted the flesh. Um, that was so painful that I had to go um, get prescription burn cream. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I burnt myself, and I remember just panicking, being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't even have anything touch on my skin. Um, but I still went, and I remember wearing um, – and the character of Chloe wasn't really that defined yet. It was just kind of like she's kind she's like a music nerd, nerdy thing, and I remember I kind of – I feel like maybe this was a, a motivating factor for how Chloe turned into ghoul girl was because I wore something that was like what I'm wearing now. It was like a big black like t-shirt or like sweater that was really soft. And I had like leggings pulled down. So nothing was touching the burns. And I was just kind of standing there like really like uncomfortably and awkwardly, which probably worked to my benefit. Then. <laughs> and I did the scene and then I like sang a song and I was like, okay, great. Um, 
didn't think I'd hear anything back. And then I get a call like a couple of days later, you're flying to Los Angeles for a screen test. I was like, oh my goodness, how who exciting. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like who, who do I get? Who do I get to kiss this time? Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, but I remember being like, oh my god, oh my god, like uh, you know, because you had to sort of like pack your own wardrobe at that time. It was like you were coming in for an audition, so I had to like just pack a couple things and get on an airplane with my second degree burns on my stomach. And I remember going into wardrobe where God love Richard, who's still there. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Like I, like I really hurt myself and I can't really have anything that, you know, touches. And, and he was so cool. I think he actually whipped out like a really cute little blue sweater for me. And he was like, I just wear this, you know, this will be fine. So yeah, like he really helped me out. And, um, and I, I think I can't, I can't remember. I think I brought my own like ghoul girl glasses. Uh, and I don't think she was ghoul girl then. It was just like, she was kind of nerdy. Um, and I see you're wearing beautiful glasses. So, I mean, back then they used to think they're nerdy. Now they're fabulous. <laughs> um, but I like brought my own glasses and I was like, okay. But um, I actually had such low expectations probably because I was first of all injured. <laughs> and also because now I'm like, okay, this is like my fourth round of this or like fifth round. And also other than the two screen tests and all my children, like they kept, they kept bringing me back. Like God bless them like several times. And I was like, I'm never going to end up on the show you guys, but they, but, but I really appreciate your enthusiasm. Like you're so sweet. Who, uh, to this day, Bob Lambert, who uh, who works in casting at Days now, he was like, like a couple years ago, he was like, do you know that I'm the one who brought you in, like, in this, like, the screen test? Like, he used to work for Judy Bly Wilson, like, God, what is this, not 22 years ago, 23? I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, yeah, I remember you when you were, like, a baby in high school. <laughs> like, That's so uh, it's just Like, it's just such a cool full circle moment. You're like, wow, wow. Wait, have anyway. you ever had a full circle moment with Kelly or Mark or Mark to be like, hey, I, I'm the one that kissed you or, like, slipped, like, slipped you the top? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, uh, I, I have. I mean, back when, you know, we used to have like the real Emmy parties and stuff like that. I, you know, I remember running up and like giving them a hug, <laughs> you know, and they'd sort of laugh and they're like, hey, you, you ended up somewhere, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun when I sort of see them, we, you know, we chuckle. So it's cute. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I had no expectations. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, I don't think I'm cut out for this genre. So like, but this is really fun. And I remember sort of being in hair and makeup and talking to the people, some who are still there today and being like, this would be a really great place to work. There was a different kind of magic, at least that I was feeling that felt like, oh, this is like, this is my clan. Like, I guess I had just sort of that like instinct. And I'm like, oh, this will be this will be a bummer not to get this one, but I'm not gonna get this one. <laughs> so just you know, and I and and I'd already met Patrika, and like Patrika took me out to dinner, and I was like, they're so nice here. Like, oh my gosh, like it'd be so great. And then flew back to New York, and then on a Friday afternoon, this is when we we barely had uh, cell phones. My agent called and was like. Hey, do you think you could try? It was Buckwald. So, where's on like 57th and something? I can't remember. Um, 
was like, hey, in those days, you had to go, like, take the subway to go to your agent's office to pick up sides for an audition. Like, there, there was no email and printing them out. Like, you had to go. They were, like, watermarked, and you had to go into a building and sign for them and pick them up. It was a lot of effort. Um, and she was like, can you come to get these sides for an audition for next week? And I just remember being like, um... Yeah, can I can I get them like maybe later this weekend? Cause like I'm almost home and like yeah, I was just like oh, and I lived in downtown and I was tired and they're like uh, okay, never mind. Uh, Cause they wanted to see me in person. They're like okay, fine, you don't have to come in, but you got the job. I was like what? I was like what job? They're like you got days of our lives. You're you're flying out. You're moving on Monday. This was Friday. Like this was like Friday at like six p.m. And I was like what? like yeah you're like you need to be in wardrobe fittings on monday and all this stuff and they're going to give you your scripts and you start working on tuesday and i had like six shows the first week oh my god yeah that's crazy and i i had to like cancel my gym membership on the way to the airport because i forgot like like all these like dumb things that you don't even think about that you now probably can just do on your phone or on a computer then it was like oh no you have to go in in person or or you're or like your bank account. I was like, I think I need my bank account was twelve dollars. <laughs> like, I need to close my Bank of New York <laughs> account, <laughs> cash out my twelve dollars, and move to LA with a suitcase, with like a suitcase and no place to live, no furniture. Um, and so I, with the help of the show, they were like, you know, there's this really lovely place called the Oakwoods. I say that very <laughs> sarcastically, <laughs> lovely, but it's right down the street from Warner Brothers and from uh, the Burbank Studios and formerly known as NBC Studios. And um, I got like a little studio apartment. It's like one of those like sort of um, temporary housing for like businesses or if you're in town for business for like a week or two or a month or two months, it's like, it's already like, yeah, pre-furnished, but not really nice furniture and has like a kitchenette. And I had a, a bed that came out of the wall. What's that called? A Murphy, Murphy. bed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I was just so excited anyway. Um, so yeah, it was a, a whole new world and um, everyone was so nice and Patrika was so amazing and so lovely and uh, knew that um, I was probably going to be like terrified or or for her own sake she's like please we have six shows this girl's gonna <laughs> get it together <laughs> know her stuff so uh, she got together with me and was like let's just run lines run lines run lines and um you know that was that first week when chloe was discovered at the orphanage so what was that like for you i mean that just must have been such a crazy trial by fire moment to like move and then oh, start working yeah i mean it the whole thing was like just absolutely surreal and you know it was it was a, truly a case of faking it till you make it uh, as and you know just learning even the lingo like uh, of working on a set and sort of just paying attention to everyone and figuring out you know I knew what a mark was but there's so many other aspects in pr production that like you know if you're not used to it you don't know what's going on and um you know even just not like you know, looking at lights or something or being like, oh my God, there's so many cameras. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And just sort of how like the, the blocking works and, uh, you know, thankfully in those days, they also took more time, but you know, it, it, thankfully at least 
we shot more in order those days. It wasn't so out of order. Like it definitely felt more like a play or even the week would be shot in order. So my first day was like, oh, you see Chloe's hand come into frame. So I kind of like at least got an understanding like, okay, they're like, okay, put your hand in the frame, go turn the knob on the radio or whatever it was. And then, so, you know, at least it was sort of a little bit of a, um, a a warm up. It wasn't completely like, Hey, we're going to throw you right on camera and you have to do all these monologues that took 24 hours, you know? So (laughs) it was a good, so I I had plenty, I had plenty of time. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't even know how I did it (laughs) now. Now it's like, it's your memory is just like any other muscle. The more you use it, the more you get used to it. And it's just, I'm, I'm so used to doing that now that it's obviously a whole different thing, but right off the bat. But I, you know what? I will say probably being a musician and I also have a pretty photographic memory, but also, you know, as a singer, you have to memorize words even in different languages and things like that. So I did have some familiarity of it or working on plays. Like, you know, you have to learn stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't so completely out of my, um, realm or, or, or comfort zone. It just was a whole lot happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole teen set that you fit into in the early days was such a success for the show. It was you, it was Kirsten Storms as Belle, Jason Cook as, as Sean, Jay Johnson as Philip, and yeah. Kyle Lauder came along as Brady. You know, what's your take on why that group worked so well with such a hit? Um, well, the first thing I'm going to say is they they had already been cast, except for Kyle, before Brady. Um, I was the last one to be cast. Like, the other teens had already been working for a couple months, and I remember sort of my first day there. I think it was even when I was there for my wardrobe fitting, like when I just moved there. And, uh, and um, they, like, let me walk out on the set. They're like, oh, come see what's going on. And it was like – it was when Belle and Sean were doing a dance competition. It wasn't officially the last blast, but it was like a school dance. And everybody, you know, and there was tons of people, tons of extras, and everybody was so glamorous and like, um, you know, just so dressed up and so beautiful. And I just remember feeling so intimidated because I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm walking into this like force of nature and, and they already know each other. So, um, you know, and they clearly had like a good camaraderie and they were laughing and, I was just like, oh my God, you know, because you, you feel like the new kid in school. But, uh, you know, I think some of that also worked for the character of Chloe because I had to be and feel so like the new kid on the block and, and awkward and like an outsider. Maybe I didn't quite fit in. So I think some of that dynamic definitely did work. Um, but yeah, I don't... It, it, I don't know that there is a a specific answer for why it worked so well, but I will say that we all really genuinely enjoyed each other. Like we were all friends and we really liked each other. Like we, we spent so much time with each other at work and we still didn't get sick of each other. We would, we would hang out on the weekends. We would like hang out at each other's parents' houses. And like, we really, um, I guess we really inhabit, inhabited is that a word oh my god I can't speak um our characters like we sort of yeah I mean I I think there was a part of us that was our characters on the show and vice versa and 
it just seemed so natural and normal to spend time together. And maybe that's why the chemistry was really good and why, you know, to this day, most of those people still are like some of my dearest friends. I mean, Farah Fath was supposed to officiate our wedding and then she had forgotten that we gave her the wedding date. <laughs> and then she called us and she was like, guess what? We're getting married. Guess what? When? May 15th. I was like, Farah, you're supposed to officiate our wedding. <laughs> but I mean, I'm really happy for you. And she was like, oh shit, I already promised Phil. I can't like go back on it now. And I was like, only you. And only you would be forgiven for something like that too. It was just, I'm like, that is so like you. She's like, oh man, I forgot. I might've been drinking wine. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. But that actually ended up really kind of fun because we texted each other like all day, like from the morning. We're like, you know, do you have nerves? What are you doing? Are you going to have a mimosa? Are you? When you're getting makeup done, send me a picture. So like we, we were giving each other like a play by play on our wedding days in different states. So it was sweet. But yeah, no, we all, um, you know, we've all stayed friends and it's really been fun to like reconnect when we can. And uh, maybe that's where that sort of, um, magic came from. And in those days too, you spent a lot of time together at work. And, you know, I, I feel like it would have been pretty obvious if we didn't care for each other because those days, you know, you'd easily spend 12, 14 hours together. And, um, you know, if I, it, it would have been very, very miserable if we didn't like each other <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that worked out. Mm-hmm. So what was it like for you to make that transition from ghoul girl, you know, into what Chloe became? Well, that actually felt very awkward too. I think, you know, I kind of was really grateful that she was so, um, ghoulish. I know ne- I've never understood the ghoul girl term actually, <laughs> but, um, it's endearing it the to black me. clothes. I think if you're not, I know, I, I know, but I always, I always felt like you should have been like goth girl or like something, yeah, you know, with the, yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. Considering like all you know, the black and, you know, but, um, I, I, I think I, I, it was, th- that was a nice beginning for me because I was able to sort of hide behind those clothes in a way. Cause I was very comfortable then all the time. You know, I had like comfortable shoes. Everything was very homely and comfortable, but I was like, Oh, it almost gave me like a little bit of a shield, I guess, against even my own self and like my own physical prowess or even my own emotions. Like there's a little bit of a guard for me. Um, and then, you know, reading and knowing that that was coming up with the last blast, I remember feeling like pretty nervous about it. I was a little terrified, like, uh, you know, am I not going to be accepted in this way as well? Or is this like going to sort of kill the Chloe image, you know, like that sort of image that I also really, I loved kind of being the non-typical ingenue and that like kids were writing letters saying, I really uh, relate to you and it's fun to see someone on TV who is more like me instead of like, you know, the perfect looking, you know, sort of high school cheerleader looking girls. Um, so, you know, it felt like there was a great deal of responsibility in some way as well to sort of handle that gracefully, but also not like, you know, not be too overt. And then like they picked this like red sparkly tighter than my skin dress. And I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, this is terrifying. Um, Cause then you just feel like, like everything is going to be on display. So then like that, that, that mask, that shield has now been taken away and it's just me. And 
like I, there I am. It was, it was the closest thing I felt to being like naked in front of people as I could possibly have felt at that point in my life. I think as a teenager, really myself and as an actor, I was like, Oh, no one's really like, you know, I haven't had to do this before or wear this or like, you know, like the tons. And it's funny how much makeup we wore. Then. <laughs> I mean, we still wear like glamorous makeup, but like us as the kids, we look back, we laugh. We're like, what is with all the glitter? Why are we wearing so much glitter? Why is there so much glitter on our eyes and our mouths? <laughs> oh, those poor boys that had to kiss us, the glitter. Oh my God. You remember? Who was it that made that really popular? Was it like Urban, Urban Decay? Or there was yes. some, that that yes. made like the obnoxiously glittery like nail polish, lip gloss. It just looked like, you know, it was just so, it was so over the top. <laughs> it, was the, it was the aughts, the 90s. Yeah. It was, it was. I look at our hair and I was like, my God, there was a lot of creative hair. All the cri- we did crimping and braids and tons of barrettes and like hair, hair ornaments. Hair ornaments was a thing. We yeah. had like, we like coveted the hair ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was so fun though. It was really fun. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that sort of, that transition was like, you know, I felt very vulnerable. That's the word. And but then, you know, it's, I, I learned to embrace it. It was really fun. Obviously. Then after that, it was like, oh, this will be fun to be able to wear clothes with color. We have some pretty great, like early photo shoots of like you, Kirsten and Farah <laughs> that are just technicolor, tight, glitter. You guys got to capture all of our awkward years. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes like, sometimes like Farah will send me a picture or she'll send a picture of herself and she's like, oh my God, can you believe I looked like that? <laughs> And I'm like, I did too. Like we all went through our chubby phases or like, yeah, where we ate too many donuts on set or, you know, it's that like late teen, early 20 sort of late pubescence. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, it was fun. You uh, stayed in Salem that first time around for like four years and it was in 2003 that you like took your first break. Talk us through like, yes. you know, why you chose to leave at, at that time. Um, you know, I think I've just, I've worked a lot, which I'm, you know, looking back now, it's like, whoa, you know, we don't work like that anymore. I worked so much, um, that I was maybe a little bit burnt out and also kind of wanted to explore other things. Cause like that was sort of essentially my college years. And, um, you know, and I had done a lot in like the short amount of time that I was there that I kind of just felt like, oh, you know, what else is out there? Maybe there's something else for me to do. And I think that's just, I think that's so natural at that age, like early twenties. It's kind of like, you know, now that I'm older, or I, you know, your perspective on everything in life and priorities obviously changes, um, you know, and, and my life now, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to just go to the same place for work. I have kids at home. I don't really have any interest in traveling. I don't want to like fly to Prague and do a movie. But like back then it was like, I want to fly to different places and do movies and, you know, the stuff that you want to do when you're in your early twenties. And now, you know, of course, like, you know, I, I heard the same things from like, you know, Victoria Conifal or Olivia, you know, you hear them talking. I'm like, yeah, that's very familiar. You know, you go do you. No one, no one can tell you what your journey is. And, you know, you, you might be back, you might not be. So 
uh, I just, yeah, I think it's sort of like a natural progression of just growing up and trying to find yourself and find your voice in the world and, you know, and what your priorities are. And, you know, when you're 20, you're like, um, if I haven't won an Oscar by the time I'm 25, I'm a failure. <laughs> you know, like things are, uh, are definitely more simplistic and perhaps a, a bit naive, obviously, when you're young. And then when you're older, you're just like, you know what? I'm, I love creating art any way I can, but your expectations change and, you're, and what, what you're willing to do and what you want to do. And, you know, I think that's also really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you did come back. You had some pretty interesting yes. stories then. Let's talk about the time that Chloe's face was disfigured. A very classic <laughs> sort of event. So. My favorite story. My favorite storyline. Yeah, with the with all the time instruments. Thank um, you, Cole. I I I think I can um, confidently say that that was my least favorite storyline. <laughs> was it the sitting in makeup or just the whole it of it? The I mean the whole thing. I mean the makeup portion, yes, because it was really like it was very painful and like damaging to my skin. It also lasted a very long time. Like the storyline, like it lasted at least a year. Like it was, it was pretty, yeah, it was, it was long. <laughs> I don't even remember exactly how it played out, but yeah, it was, it, it wasn't my favorite because also I was really isolated for most of it. And you know, and like even especially as an actor, like you want to work with other people, like, you know, there were so many just, instances of like Chloe being by herself or in a church or stuck in an attic. It was very, it was my version of Phantom of the Opera, but you know, I didn't really get to work with anybody. And so it just felt, it felt frustrating, but obviously, you know, it's there, you have all kinds of, there's never a a, a lack of um, surprises and sort of like entertainment and (laughs) curiosity around there. Uh, There's going to be some storylines you love better than others, but that was probably one of my lesser favorite ones. I also didn't really like the, I also didn't really like the Chloe being a hooker (laughs) storyline. That was very out of nowhere. But I will say yes. that it gave you probably what I consider to be like among the best work you've ever done. Really? Kind of that with the suicide attempt. Oh. It's like that was incredible. Oh. Now, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, well, I guess something good came of that. Yeah. <laughs> good came that you got, you got good stuff to play. Um, yeah. Because we did now talk about your least favorite. Tell us your favorite storyline that you've done. Um, favorite would be probably be I guess the cancer one always comes to mind because that one was just so like it was so personal for me um that it was kind of cathartic and kind of therapeutic I guess because it was it was very scary for me to play out that storyline um kind of so like kind of relatively soon after my father passed away of leukemia and, and they were like hey guess what we're giving your character leukemia Did uh, <laughs> I don't remember now uh, yeah, they actually called me, uh, the writers called me into their office, the head writer at the time. I can't remember who that was, actually. But they're like, um, yeah, we know your dad died of leukemia. We're giving Chloe that leukemia, like, just, you know, sort of heads up, which I appreciated that. Um, and it was, uh, it was chal- it was challenging and it was scary for me. Like, I was afraid to. Uh, you know, delve up those emotions. Um, man, even talk about it now. I'm like, oh yeah. Cause it's like, so at the surface that you're like, okay, you know, also how do you play this without it just being just, in, you know, incredibly 
down or in, in just in, just sad, you know, that's not interesting either. Just because I feel sad about it, you know, there has to be different um, layers that goes into this kind of a story. But um, I really, I you know, I ended up really loving it, and they handled it so well, and you know, the sort of cross promotion with the real life um, uh, light the night wa- walks and leukemia lymphoma society, how we worked with them that, you know, that ended up being a, a pretty great thing. So I love that. And then I don't know if this counts as a storyline, but sort of my second favorite things to do was like all the Brady and Chloe singing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I loved that. Um, you know, so fun because that was really like my sweet spot. That's, kind of what I grew up doing. So I'm like, I get to do musical theater here at work. Like, this is kind of amazing, you know? So, and some of it was like those like <laughs> little like choreographed dance thingies. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was fun. I mean, even to this day, like, you know, if I get to do any or a singing around there, like it makes my heart happy. I did get to sing just a little something that's coming up. Oh. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so nice. Is there going to be any more of this? And they're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe, Chloe, Chloe has officially changed her profession since she's coming back to town. So, Oh, what does she know? Huh. Oh, am I allowed to say? Oh, no, don't say. Don't say. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I come back. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be back on in December. Okay. I don't know the exact same the exact date, but it's around Christmas time. Okay. Um. But I mean, Chloe's always like, Chloe like owns a bar or she's like a bartender or she's a lounge singer or she's an opera singer. Or she's a prostitute. Or she's a, yeah. She's very versatile. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Chloe's a woman of many talents. (laughs) Uh, Nadia, I, I, I have to, you have to indulge me by asking about one of my favorite television appearances of yours, which is. The 2011 classic Dirty Soap, starring <laughs> your mother, who was such a killer. Stephanie and I both absolutely loved that show. We have so many vivid memories. <laughs> what, you know, what, like, what stands out to you about filming that show? And, you know, I guess nine years down the line, can you believe you were on a reality show? No, I can't. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when I was doing it. Like I, I honestly was like, I was so super reluctant to be a part of it because I mean, for many reasons, also that sort of like, and I think maybe things have changed now, like almost a decade later. I mean, it constantly changes, but it was sort of that thing where if you're an actor, you don't do reality TV because you're sort of, you know, you're, if you're a serious actor, then like, that's not a, a serious thing. And um, reality television has taken work away from actors and artists, you know, that kind of thing. Like there was that internal turmoil thing of like, you know, do you, if you can't beat them, join them, or does this make you look like a sellout in a way or, and also just the, the aspect of like having your personal life on display, because, you know, like I said, even getting to wear the baggy black clothing as Chloe, it was sort of a shield. And at least I was playing a character. I, I was, um, I was, always okay playing a character but but being yourself is a is a different thing that's not acting uh, i've never been a fan of public speaking you know i'm not like i don't think i'm a great host or anything like that so so the idea of that was like oh you right kind of just have to be yourself 
And then other times you have to look into a camera and do stuff. I was like, Ooh, I don't know. I guess it also just, it was just scary to me and tartar territory. Um, and I don't really know how, what, you know, I think it was actually the production team. They were, they were really so lovely and they were such a great uh, group of mainly women. And they, they just made me feel safe. And they're like, we're going to, you know, we're not going to do anything like not, we're not going to do anything to make you look bad. We do enough reality TV to know that like, you can't, we can't make you look bad unless you are bad. <laughs> so that's a, so that is something I kind of have learned and that's made me chuckle over the years when people are like, this show made me look bad. That's not me. I was like, mm, well, I heard, I learned differently. Like, <laughs> they're like, like, yes, well, they try to maybe edit reactions and things to maybe make things look more interesting or funny. Yeah. But like they, you know, they can't make you be a crazy person. <laughs> like you are either are or you're not, or you're not aware of what comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I remember it was, yeah. And it, it was like talking then to Kirsten about it and to Farah. like then, you know, we felt safer knowing that there's people that we know, like sort of being with us. It was like, okay, like, these people were my friends for the most part. I knew everybody except I'm like, who was on the show? I didn't know Kelly Monaco at the time. Um, who else was on the show? I don't there That was it. Right. Yeah. I knew everyone. Yeah. I like, I knew everyone else personally. So I was, so it was like, I knew Galen and his wife. I was just like, okay, like, you know, at least I'm not going on some show with strangers. Like we're all in this together and we know each other. Um, and then I remember we were all like, oh, the tentative, like the working title was like, I don't know what it was, Soapbox or something. And then they were like, um, Dirty Soap, huh? And we're like, yeah, we're like, we'll do the show if the last thing you call it is Dirty Soap. <laughs> <laughs> and then like they did. And we're like, what? Oh my God. No. We just, yeah, I remember we did not like the title of the show. Isn't that Mark and Kelly's production company? I, I think they were partners with this production company. Yeah, yeah, something. Like, no, you're right. Well, comes back to the Consuelos's. Oh, yeah, those Consuelos's keep just coming in out of my life. They called it dirty soap because I kissed Mark. That's why. The truth comes out. The truth comes out. Yeah, but you know what? It ended up. It ended up being a, a cool experience. Like it actually was a lot of work. It was kind of cool to see, like fun to see the process or to learn how that process works. It's very different from you working on a TV show where you're acting, but you know, it's still being produced and this and that. And um, I think they learned a lot from us. We learned a lot from them. It was funny. Like the producers were like, wow, you know, doing reality TV with actors, this, this is a whole different thing. Cause we like, they couldn't really pull the wool over our eyes or like, you know, there were moments I was like, okay, you know, there, um, you know, there was a lot of sort of chirping in our ears or trying, or I think trying to sort of make us want to feel more relaxed or, or not feel relaxed, but like say things that maybe then they could use out of context or, um, and I've realized that reality shows are very, are probably not very famous for trying to plow you full of liquor. Like they're very, but they do it very 
very nicely. They're like, oh, you know, we're coming over and like, and Farah's going to come over and can we get you guys some wine? And we'd be like, no, we're fine. Or no, no, no. What's your favorite wine? I remember you told me, what is that favorite wine of yours? Or that champagne? No, it'll look really good. Like, we'll just pour them in your glasses. You know, so you're kind of like, you guys are trying to... You guys are trying to get us real loosey-goosey here, aren't you? <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's clearly production tips that they have. Um, I guess all you have to do is look at one of the Bachelor shows to see that. Like, all those people do is drink, drink and then start crying or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it was interesting because uh, we could also shoot things a lot quicker they're like, wow, you know, sometimes like when we're working on other shows, we basically have to script stuff for people, but like you guys just kind of like are kind of interesting and hilarious and talk about your own thing. Like they're like, we're, you guys are, we're, this is good. Cause at first they'd be like, um, yeah, we want to spend like, they'd want to shoot like something for like five hours and they'd be like, ha, you know, Farah's going to come over and you guys are going to like talk. Okay. We're getting, we're like five hours. We're like, we can shoot an entire show in five hours. Like, <laughs> and then we would just talk and talk and talk and yammer on. And we'd be like, is that good? You know, and they're like, uh, yeah, I don't think we'd need anymore. Like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, it, you know, it ended up being really fun and, and we had a great time and it was a good bonding experience for us on the show. We ended up getting to do like some fun, cool things. And, um, it, it, it turned out, we thought it turned out really well. You know, we were nervous, we were nervous about it, but it turned out well. And, you know, I guess everything's about timing. Cause frankly, we were really surprised that it didn't get picked up, but it was just also a really weird time over it. E and, you know, but then again, you know, everything is like, like blessing in disguise. Like, uh, most of us on that show aren't still with the spouses we were with. <laughs> so that, that wouldn't have been fun to re- to live out on camera. <laughs> you know, we were like, mm, yeah, maybe we're glad it didn't go any further than that. <laughs> um, yeah. And my mom was sort of like a wild card there for sure. Uh, because that wasn't really planned. But they, you know, obviously like wanted to meet our family members and they were like, you know, my mom is a character. She just, she always has been. And they're like, your mom is hilarious. I'm like, I, this is just her, by the way, you guys. <laughs> well, we <laughs> not, it. it was all great. She's, she is, she does not hold back. Um, she has no filter. And, you know, sometimes there's a language barrier thing, which can make her kind of, you know, slightly cringeworthy, but still lovable. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, I, it was a little good spice to add to it. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe she was right about, me not being with the person I was with. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still friends, by the way. I, yes, I love did, him. The last glass dance together. Huh? The last glass reunion. You were yeah, you yeah, yeah. together in that. So, you know. Yeah. No, we, I mean, we, we still talk. I actually have a, a funny story. Uh, I think is funny last week. Well, so, uh, last week, not to get all dark and depressing about this COVID era we're living in, but, um, we had to shut down production for like a week and a half because somebody tested positive, but you know, thankfully everyone's okay. It wasn't one of the actors, but our protocols got even more strict coming back, which was, um, we now have to do our own hair and makeup, which is 
<laughs> I can't do my hair after all this time. Um, but you know, you're like, we just, we have to do what we have to do. It's like old school theater. You just kind of do your own thing. And because they have to, we have to be in as little contact with other people as possible. And, um, you know, makeup can kind of help touch some stuff up if we're like a complete hot mess. Uh, but with that being said, it was kind of a, you know, they're like, okay, we're coming back to work. You guys are going to have to do your own hair and makeup. And they met the men as well. And so the first day back, I was, I was there. And so was Brandon and, and Brandon sends me a text with a picture of makeup in his dressing room. He goes, where does any of this go? And I was like, ha ha. I was like, ha 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 ha. No, he's like, no, seriously, I'm, I'm panicking. I don't know how to do this. I'm like, well, FaceTime me. And he's FaceTiming me in his dressing room. And he's like, which one of these goes where? And I'm like, okay, take that brush and dip it in. And then like, and then he just starts to like, he puts it on his cheek. He's like, oh my God, that looks like paint. I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? And I was like, I don't know. Just grab the sponge and start just smoothing it out. Just just blend it all in. Blend, blend, blend. When in doubt, just blend it all out. <laughs> I'm trying to give him like a, a really horrible makeup tutorial via FaceTime <laughs> at work, at work. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he did a break. He did it. He did a good job. Yes, I was like, blend it down. I was like, down. I was like, down your neck, down your neck. Get like, don't you're not in your beard. <laughs> uh, yeah. That does not. Yeah, so it was, you know, funny. So it was, it was a little unfair, I think, for the men to sort of be expected right out the gate to like understand how to do any of that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> well, Chloe has not had the greatest romantic luck or the happiest of home lives, but no, you recently celebrated five years of marriage to your husband Grant. You have two little boys, Torn and Nico. Yes. Um, yes. So just tell us about life at your house. I mean, there's never a lack of excitement around here as you've been in, rudely interrupted about 47 times. Um, uh, it's fun, man. Like I never saw myself really. It's interesting, like becoming a parent, how humbling it is and how your perspective on everything in life changes and what's important and like what makes you happy. And, um, everything makes me emotional now. Like I used to sort of always be that, like that. Oh, I'm, I'm not emotional this and that. And, um, you know, I never like grew up being like, Oh, I need to have kids. But then like, Oh man, after you have that, your first one, you're just like, Oh, this is what love is. Like, Ooh, Ooh, I can't even say it without crying right now. Um, yeah, it's like, it's pretty spectacular. Um, it's a, it's a, it's such an unconditional, unwavering love. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm so much softer for it. Like, yeah, I guess I'm sort of just, I'm more mushy and gushy than I ever used to be. Um, and it's just so cool to see these little people that you created, you know, sometimes you look at them and you're like, wow, I made that. What? Like, that's a mirror like humans are amazing what we're full of and it's really cool and it has been you know it's been hard obviously this year and for everyone but it has been really nice to be able to be with them more and like sort of see all their little changes and how they're growing up and you know from day to day like every little thing like there's an extra word in their vocabulary or extra little thing or like 
something funny they do or, you know, like there's your little sense of humor developing or like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's pretty magical and it's pretty cool. And I never thought I'd find myself here out in the suburbs too. (laughs) (laughs) I live in like suburbia gated community um, really kind of outside of LA. And I'm like, Oh, I love it, man. I wish I'd moved here years ago. This is so lovely and peaceful. You're all grown up. I yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's the funny thing. It's like, and we talk about this at work too, because, you know, so many of us who've worked together for decades now, or because you kind of always feel like the person when, when you met them, that's like the age that will always be in your mind. Um, so, and it's hard to imagine yourself, like now we, the conversations we have, and like, we talk about our children and stuff. I'm like, remember when we were the kids around here <laughs> and then you, and you see the other kids and we're like, wait a minute. And then they start like casting our own children being older. And we're like, Oh, wait a minute. We're like the older people on the show now. <laughs> How did that happen? Cause you, cause you don't feel that way. Cause we still like, you know, we still are goofy in the same way and laugh about a lot of the same stuff and have the same sense of humor, but it just you know, so many other things changed, but it's like, uh, like, or Molly Burnett is one of my dearest friends. And I'm always like, Molly, are you like 24 now? She's like, Nadia, how long, how long have we known each other? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But you're like, you're always going to be like 22 or 24 in my mind. And she's like 30 something now. I'm like, oh, Wow. Okay. <laughs> so then you'll always be 19 to me, Nadia. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, thank, thank you. Exactly. I mean, I don't feel like I'm 19, but you know, you do, you always feel like you're somewhere like, I don't know, around 30, you know, 30 seems like a good number. Well, Nadia, as we're talking, as we mentioned, it's just like, a, you know, a few more weeks till we're going to see you back on screen and you have, you know, come and gone from Salem a bunch of times over the years, but obviously Days keeps wanting you back and you're down to come back. I mean, as as you talk about your, your journey with the show and as Days is poised to celebrate 55 years and you've been part of it for such a good chunk of that run. I mean, what, can you sum up what your, you know, relationship with Days has meant to you personally and professionally all these years? I mean, I would say that it's where I grew up. It's where I feel like I grew up. It's where I spent really now kind of the majority of my life. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up there. I learned a lot. They were my college years, my beyond years, my first love years. Um, you know, learning from so many other amazing actors and, and taking all these journeys with them. And uh, it's just, you know, it, it's pretty incredible. And it's pretty incredible to, to like be a part of that legacy. You know, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around that, you know, when I first got on the show, like I knew who Christian Alfonso was, I knew who Deidre Hall was. And like, they still to me are, you know, so iconic that I don't put myself like in that category. And then, you know, someone will remind me that, that they'll be like, you've been there for 20 years. Like you're like, you're kind of, you're a part of it too. And I don't know, I guess it's kind of special and it's, it feels super special also considering that Chloe has not been, is not a part of like the Brady's or the Hortons. Like I've always been this individual family well, you know, you know, originally had mom and dad, but like, that's been like this Island that's been, that's been floating 
uh, is floating around Salem. Um, so yeah, it's, it's incredibly special and, you know, um, it's something that'll be really fun to look back on one day too, and be able to show my kids and, you know, the books and, you know, now they'll be able to Google me. And that's like something funny. Like someone asked me the other day, they're like, you know, what do you think about your sons being able to Google you one day? And I was like, Oh my God, I never even thought of that. (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) <laughs> please don't let them find something embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty special. I also have a girlfriend who, who likes to uh, tease me slash terrorize me by, she sends me random YouTube clips just every now and then she'll just text me and it'll be like, like Chloe falling on the ice and like having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll be all these cl- like clips and I'm like oh my god I don't even remember this what is this <laughs> but she always sends like the most like like horrifying or the most dramatic stuff you know that kind of stuff you know so it's it's, it's really funny though but yeah I mean it's it's really cool to have lived through so many storylines too on that show and having worked with legends and you know it's 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 it's, it's pretty special I'm very grateful Mm-hmm. Well, we are so happy we were finally able to get you on the podcast and that you'll be back on screen soon. And thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to catch up. Oh, thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. It was so fun. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe. Bye, Nadia. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Nadia Bjorland for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.